Welcome to the Fairfax Church Podcast. We're a community in Fairfax, Virginia, following Jesus. We upload new messages every week, and to learn more about us, visit us at fairfax.cc. Enjoy the message. All right, we're starting a new series this weekend, an Advent series, but before I jump into the Advent series, I want uh, to share with you uh, something else, and it has to do with kind of what we do as a congregation at, at year end. Each each year, our congregation, uh, at the end of the year, December, we give over and above our normal tithes and our normal offerings during the month of December to uh, help the church to finish the year strong and to get a jump start on what God is calling us to do in 2024. And we ask folks to... Uh, to consider whatever it is that they normally do, to consider going over and above that, over and above their tithes, over and above their offerings to help us to finish the, the year strong and, and prepare for what God is doing. And I just want to share with you some incredible things that God has called us to do in this next year. I don't have time to share uh, all the things and to go into kind of a granular level about that, but let me just share five things that are happening this next year that we are like incredibly excited about. One is this. We want to help start a new theological training school in Malawi to raise up a new generation of leaders in Malawi like we did in Kenya 28 years ago. So 28, yeah, we can celebrate that. 28 years ago, we felt uh, led to be a part of starting a new school in Kenya. It came to be known Kima International School of Theology. We sent half our staff to go start it. There were two of us on staff. We sent one. And Steve Rennick was the first principal. And we have been engaged with that school for 28 years. And we have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students that have graduated from the school have gone into service, not only in the church, but in supporting ministries uh, and nonprofits that support the ministry of the church and kingdom advance. It's been an incredible, incredible story that continues on. Now, we've gotten connected with the Church of God in Malawi and a young pastor there, Emmanuel, who's incredible. There's 140 churches there. The pastors of those churches, none of them have any kind of formal training at all. It's been an entire, entirely just a grassroots process, and Emmanuel now has a vision for starting in Malawi what Kenya started 28 years ago and having a KIST-type theological training center for young leaders in Malawi to raise up a whole new generation of leaders there for the church, and we are going to be a part of that, and so we're going to help to start that new ministry center next year in Malawi, and we are super excited about that. Second thing is that we want to double the amount of food and essential resources that we provide to vulnerable families in our community. In 2023, we grew in terms of providing food and essential uh, needs for vulnerable families, we grew by 106% over the year before, which we should celebrate. That was absolutely amazing. And we want to do the same thing in 2024. We want to double our capacity to provide food and essential resources to families in this community that are vulnerable and are in need of help. 
Third thing is this. We want to launch, I'm super excited about this, we want to launch an immigrant connection ministry that provides legal immigration services at a low cost to our community. And, uh, you know, the time is right for this. God has positioned us uh, in the middle of what is happening. The world has, in many respects, come to Washington, D.C. We are in the center of, of so many immigration issues and legal issues and providing legal help is a huge deal and it's so costly and if you don't have some help it's just kind of you're lost in the process and we've seen that and we've gotten connected with a lot of lawyers and a lot of folks that provide legal services and we feel like a time is right for us to help to start a immigrant connection ministry that provides legal immigration services to folks at a very low cost in the community. So we're going to do that. The fourth thing is we want to expand our lay counseling ministry to 40 lay counselors. Now, I know we talk about this some, but I don't think sometimes the congregation gets what is happening with our lay counseling ministry. We have 40 persons Many of them are counselors themselves or they're social workers or just people that, that have a compassionate heart for folks who are hurting that provide free counseling to folks within our church and sometimes in the community to provide the grace of God, the compassion of God, the guidance of God in the midst of really difficult circumstances. And we want to expand that. I don't know of any church that has this kind of lay counseling ministry. We want to expand that to 40. And here's the other thing that's exciting. We, have, we provide lay counseling in five different languages now. So that there are five different languages that if, if you speak that particular language, you can get lay counseling in your native language. And we want to expand that this year because of the growing need. We want to expand that to Arabic as well. So there'll be six languages that people can get lay counseling here at Fairfax. And then the fifth thing is that in 2023, we keep track of all of the people that that God brings into this church. And it may be through weekend worship, it may be through our kids' ministry, our student ministry, an outreach event that we do, the coffee shop, a lot of different ways that we keep track of folks that we get contact information, like we, they are known to us, and we are able to begin a relationship with them. In 2023, we had new contacts, 1,776, 1776. Which I just think is an appropriate like, date, all right? So 1,776. And this next year, we want to reach 3,000 new people as a congregation to touch their lives and to begin to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ in their lives. 3,000 new fans. Can we just celebrate that? That's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool thing. And the list just kind of goes on and on and on. But your year in giving uh, will help us accomplish those goals so much more. So prayerfully consider over and above what you normally do as you give faithfully to Fairfax. And so many of you give so faithfully to this place. Uh, consider over and above that what you can do at this year end to help us accomplish these goals this next year. All right. So we're starting this uh, series this weekend. It's entitled Fear Not. And it's really, I think, the perfect series to kind of follow on the heels of our Job 
series that we just finished. As you, as you read through the biblical account of the Christmas story, um, you discovered that fear plays a really significant role in the life of the main characters in the Christmas story. So Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth, they feared that their prayers to have a child would go unanswered. Uh, Mary feared that she could not possibly accomplish the seemingly impossible calling of God upon her life. Joseph feared the uncertainty of the future when he found out that his fiancee, Mary, was pregnant. And the shepherds trembled in fear at the angel's unexpected announcement of Jesus' birth. And in the midst of all of those fears, a singular message resonates throughout the Christmas story. Fear not. Fear not. As you experience all of this uncertainty, as you experience all of this stuff that can at times feel overwhelming, as you experience a future that may not be the future that you thought it was going to be, fear not. Fear not because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Fear not because God, the God of the universe, has arrived on the scene. Fear not because into a world filled with uncertainty, hope has been born. Literally, hope has been born. That's what the incarnation is all about. And during this series, we're going to look at a number of different characters in the Christmas story and see how the gospel speaks directly to some of our greatest fears. And we begin this week with the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, Zechariah, uh, at the time of Jesus, and he practiced as a priest, he was a priest before Jesus was born, but during that time, Zechariah was a priest. And at that time, all of the priests were divided into divisions. They had all of these different divisions among the priesthood. And the divisions rotated shifts so that there would always be a priest that was on duty at the temple 24 hours a day. And on this particular day, Zechariah's division was the one working at the temple. And out of his division, Zechariah is chosen by lot to go into the temple and to burn incense at the altar in the temple. Now, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth had prayed for years that they would have a child. But after years of dealing with infertility, they began to lose hope. And then seemingly out of nowhere, as Zechariah goes into the temple to be near the altar of incense, this happens. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Fear not, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. And many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. 
And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah asked the angel, what? <laughs> like Zechariah asked the angel, like, are you sure of this? Like, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife, I think, I think he's choosing his words wisely here. He says, I'm an old man. He doesn't say my wife's an old woman. But he softens it and says, my wife is well along in years. And by the way, guys, that won't fly either. So don't even try that one. And the angel answered, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Now, the first thing that I want you to notice is Zachariah's skeptical response at what the angel is telling him. Zachariah had long, had long ago given up hope of having a child of his own. He had prayed, he and Elizabeth had prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for it to happen, but up to this point, it had not happened. And these years of unanswered prayer had created a lot of disappointment and a lot of doubt. And now he and Elizabeth are old and he has given up hope really that it's ever going to happen. See, Zechariah was afraid in this moment. Sometimes we say, well, Zechariah was afraid because he's an angel appeared to him. And that would scare you to have an angel of the Lord probably appear to you. But Zechariah is afraid, not just because an angel of the Lord has appeared to him. Zechariah is afraid. He's afraid because he's afraid that his prayers are going to once again go unanswered. One of our greatest fears is experiencing the disappointment of an unanswered prayer. We pray for God to work. We pray for God to fulfill our dream of getting married or we pray for having a family or we pray about pursuing a particular career. We pray for uh, freedom from an addiction. We pray for the salvation of a spouse or of a child or of our parents or of our grandkids or of a friend. Like we pray and we pray and we pray. We pray for physical healing or emotional healing or, or, uh, or uh, relational healing. We, we pray. And when it doesn't happen, we are understandably, we are profoundly disappointed. And it causes us to question. We wonder sometimes if we have the lack, if we lack faith for God to actually work, that maybe, maybe it's about 
me. Maybe it's about my faith. We wonder if God really does hear our prayers. And if he does, we wonder if it really does matter to him. We wonder if we really matter to him. Does God still have a unique purpose for our lives? Because we thought we knew what that unique purpose was, and now our lives are not going the way that we thought that they would go. And as we read the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, we realize that, that God has a purpose for them. That's like super clear, that God has a purpose for them. Even though it didn't look the way they thought it was going to look, even though it didn't happen the way they thought that it was going to happen, even though it didn't happen when they thought it was going to happen. Their desire was to have children, probably when they were young, probably to have a bunch of children. While they were still young, so they would have the energy to to raise the kids, to do the parenting thing, but that doesn't happen. In fact, Elizabeth doesn't get pregnant until we are told she is very advanced in years. Now, sometimes we read this story and I think we miss the point. We read it and we say, well, Elizabeth and Zachariah eventually got exactly what they wanted. All they had to do was just wait a little while. Like they got, they got what they wanted. All they had to do was just kind of just kind of wait, just be patient just a little bit. And, and, and sometimes it's just like, oh, I would be fine with that. Like, I would be fine not getting what I asked for if I knew that I was going to get what I asked for. Like, if I knew that, I just had to wait a little while. Just wait a little while, and then it'll happen, it'll happen, it'll happen. But I think that's where we, like, Missed the point because if you read this story and that's your conclusion, then you've missed the whole point of the story. Because Elizabeth and Zechariah don't just wait a little bit to get their prayers answered, they waited their whole lives. They prayed their whole lives to have a child, and they don't get a child until they're like 80 years old. Like 80 years old. Now, your dreams about having a child are not the same at 80 as they were at 30. I'm just saying, your dreams about changing diapers, about having this little baby running around are just not the same at 80 as they are at 30. They're just different kinds of dreams. They're different kinds of things. Like they are now 80 years old. They don't get a child until they're 80. That's why when the angel shows up and says, you know that baby, Zachariah? Remember that baby that you wanted 40, 50 years ago? Guess what? It's happening. You can buy your diapers at the same time you're buying your baby's diapers. Like just, just go to the store and buy them all at once. Like that prayer you prayed about when you were 30, like I want to have a baby. It's just like, all right, you're 80 and it's happening. And Zachariah is like, what? Are you, are you sure? 
are you sure? I know that's what we have prayed for. I know that's what we wanted back when we were a young couple. I know that we desired to have children. Like, I know that. And we prayed for that. But we're 80 now. Are you sure that's still, are you sure that's God's purpose for our lives? And the answer is yes. That's God's purpose for Elizabeth and Zachariah's life. Not only are they going to have a son, when they are 80 years of age, their son, who they named John, is going to be the one who will prepare the way for the Savior, for salvation, for redemption, for the rescue of all humanity, who will pave the way for that, all of that, to enter into the world. You know what the scariest, or at least one of the scariest times in life is? It's that period between our greatest disappointment and the realization of how God can use our greatest disappointment. That's scary stuff. Just scary stuff, that that gap, that period between our greatest disappointment and our realization of how God is able to use our greatest disappointment. Like it's scary in that, that season of life. And for Elizabeth and Zechariah, that season lasted most of their adult life. And it was scary, and it was, it's scary for us. It's during that time that we are most likely to become consumed by disappointment, to become consumed by fear, to become consumed by doubt, to become consumed by disillusionment. All of that's just during that, that period between our greatest disappointment and our realization of how God can use our greatest disappointment. But no matter how profound the disappointment is the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah reminds us that God always has a purpose for us. He has a purpose for us in the midst of our greatest disappointment. Now, here's what's really important to say that doesn't mean that God causes the disappointments in order to accomplish. His purpose. God didn't keep Elizabeth and Zechariah from getting pregnant when they were young in order for them to fulfill his purpose in their lives when they were old. God worked in the midst of their infertility. He worked in the midst of their disappointment. He worked in the midst of all of that to accomplish his purpose in their lives. God used their brokenness to bring wholeness into the world. God used their brokenness to bring a savior into the world. And God can use your brokenness to accomplish his purpose in your life as well. It's just that God's purpose may not look the way that we thought it would look, or the timing may be very different than the timing 
we thought that it would be. That's where some of you probably are right now. Things have not gone exactly in life as you hoped that they would go. You're disappointed by the way a particular relationship has gone, or you're disappointed that you didn't get a particular job, or you're disappointed because family life is not going the way you thought family life was going to go, or you're disappointed because you're dealing with stuff physically that you do not want to be dealing with, and you are fearful that this disappointment is going to define your life in some way. It's going to keep you from living life to the full. It's going to keep you from living out God's purpose for your life. But it's often in the midst of life's disappointments that we see the purpose of God more clearly in our life. It's often in the midst of life's disappointments that we see the miraculous activity of God at work in our lives even more clearly. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Here's the thing we have to understand about disappointment. Disappointment doesn't have to be a permanent condition. When we experience disappointment, like we have a choice. Every time we experience disappointment, we have a choice. We can either hang on to our disappointment and it does become the thing that defines our life or we can trust that disappointment to the Lord. And if we trust it to the Lord, then our disappointment becomes an opportunity for God to do something new in our lives. It becomes an opportunity for God to do something exciting in our lives, to do something that we could never in our wildest imagination have thought of when we mapped out the way that we hoped that our life would go, just like it did with Zachariah and Elizabeth. So how do we keep from getting paralyzed by fear in the period between our greatest disappointment and our realization of how God can use our greatest disappointment? Like, how do we keep from being paralyzed by fear in that season? Let me just mention three things very quickly. One, embrace the waiting. Now, we live in a culture that does not do waiting very well. Uh, and particularly in this area, Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., filled with driven people, goal-oriented people, get-it-done people, find the next hill people, take the next hill people, that when things don't go exactly the way that we thought, we are very quickly figuring out what the alternative is so that we can keep moving and keep taking whatever that next Hill is we don't as a culture do waiting very well. Our culture values speed. Like we want everything fast. We want information fast. We want to travel on the beltway fast. We will pay thousands of dollars a year just to get around the beltway a few minutes faster. Like we want speed, we want 
fast. And when someone or something doesn't meet that expectation, we are usually not very happy about it. Especially if they are right in front of us on the beltway. We are not very happy about it. Little confession. I was coming to church today. I didn't tell this in the first service. I probably shouldn't tell it in this service. But I was pulling in the left turn lane that the police officer has put the little cones down, and he was still putting the cones down. And there were about six cars that needed to turn left. And uh, there were cars coming the other direction from the west, and there was a gap like a big, long gap that doesn't happen, right? And it was just like, all right, this is like when we're all going to be able to get in. And I'm behind like car number four. And uh, first car goes, second car goes, third car goes, fourth car decides this is a really, really good time to roll their window down and ask the policeman a question. (laughs) I don't know what they were asking I'm sure it was like super important and needed to be asked but I'm looking on that other lane and it's like I've got plenty of time like really it doesn't really matter we could have sat there for a while and I would have still been fine but there's just something in the principle of it of like we want to get there like fast and I'm watching that transaction and for a moment Just a moment, I thought about honking my horn. And I thought, Rod, what? You are the worst human being in the world. And that person will never come back to Fairfax. So they were at the first service, so I know they're not here, but if you're watching online, I am so sorry I even thought about that. Like, we don't do waiting well, but it's it's embracing the waiting that keeps us from becoming paralyzed by fear in that period between our greatest disappointment and the realization of how God can use that. Elizabeth and Zachariah waited 40 plus years before they realized how God could use their greatest disappointment. Sometimes we get impatient after a week after a month, after a year. Now, embracing the waiting doesn't mean that you stop with what God has called you to do. Embracing the waiting doesn't mean that you live in denial of your pain. Embracing the waiting doesn't mean that you pretend like you're not disappointed by what has happened, even though you are profoundly disappointed. Embracing the waiting simply means that even though you may not be able to change the circumstances that you are going through right now, you are on the lookout for ways in which God is at work in the midst of those circumstances. Second thing is this, walk in obedience. Look at what scripture says about the life that Zachariah, sometimes we pass right over this, Zachariah and Elizabeth lived when they were in that period of waiting. It says, both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments 
and regulations blamelessly. So in the midst of all of their uncertainty, they remained obedient to the Lord. They didn't understand everything that was going on. They didn't get why their life was going the way that their life was going, but they remained in the yes position to God. And that's a key element, folks, in God being able to use our disappointment to accomplish his purpose in our lives. If we are willing in the midst of that disappointment to remain in the yes position to him, then whatever it is that we are going through, God still is able to be at work. And the third thing is this, live in hope. And it's not like this fake hope. It's not like this false hope. It's not like this hope that things are gonna turn out a certain way. It's not like this hope that it'll be fine, everything will be fine, it'll be okay, this will be okay, you'll see, it's fine. Kind of that fake kind of hope. It's not... It's not hope that things will turn out the way that we hope they would turn out. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in the fact that no matter what happens, no matter how great the disappointment, God is still able to accomplish his purpose in our lives. Our hope is in the fact that God can use even the worst events in our lives to accomplish his purpose. That's what the gospel is all about. That's why we gather in this place. That's why we we, we have crosses on our walls. That's why we talk about the cross. That's why we take communion, which is what we're gonna be doing today. It's why we, we, we talk about what Jesus has done for us in his death and his resurrection is this realization that God is able to take the worst possible thing that has happened in the history of the world, the death, the death, the killing, the death of the Son of God, and use it to save the world. Use it to redeem the world. Use it to redeem us. Like God is able to, it's the essence of the gospel. It's the essence of what we believe as followers of Jesus. It's what the cross is all about. That's why Paul says in Romans 9.33, anyone who trusts in God will never be disappointed. Now, it's not that you will not be disappointed with other stuff. Just because you trust in God doesn't mean that you won't be disappointed with other people. Just because you trust in God doesn't mean that you won't be disappointed with circumstances that you're going through. Just because you trust in God doesn't mean that you won't at times be disappointed with yourself. And the fact that you did not live up even to what you said that you were going to do or what you were going to be. Like it doesn't mean that you will not deal with disappointment. What Paul is saying is that anyone who trusts in God will never be disappointed. People may disappoint you. Circumstances may disappoint you. Life in this broken world may disappoint you. But God will never disappoint you. I mentioned we're going to take communion today. And communion is the constant reminder of God's ability to take scary, awful stuff and use it for his purpose in the world. And as we prepare to take communion, I've written a prayer. And I want you just, I just want to invite you As I read this prayer, 
to make this prayer your own. And you don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to repeat it. You don't have to close your eyes, you know. You don't have to close your eyes to pray. You can keep your eyes open. But as I start to pray this prayer, as I start to share this prayer, if it begins to resonate with you, I want you to make it your prayer today. God, my life has not turned out exactly the way I expected it to. I've dealt with disappointments. And sometimes those disappointments have paralyzed me with fear. I need hope. And I'm deciding today to put my hope in you. I'm tired of counting on people and things that often let me down. I'm tired of counting on myself. <laughs> because I admit that I often let my let myself down. So forgive me. Give me a fresh start. Give me a clean heart. Lead me. Guide me. Help me to embrace the waiting. Help me to walk in obedience. Help me to live in hope. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Fairfax Church Podcast. You can find more messages like this on our YouTube channel at Fairfax Church or follow us here. If you were blessed by the message and resources provided, feel free to leave us a review.